So in a few weeks, uh, we are going to return to our series on the book of Revelation. Uh, but for this morning, I want to focus on a specific topic. I won't have slides this morning. Uh, I was at home this week trying to take care of many projects, so I saved it till the last minute. And then me and the computer had an argument this morning. I lost that argument. Uh, so uh, later today, my laptop will lose an argument too. <laughs> anyway, so you're going to have to listen closely. I'll try to repeat the references for you. Uh, in the last year or so, uh, there has been a desire that has grown in me, um, for myself, uh, and for the church. And God has used specific people in our church uh, to spark this desire, if you will, that all of us here, part of Echo Lake, who have put our faith in Jesus Christ in, in our Lord, as our Lord and our Savior, would grow in the area of prayer not just individually, but as a church. And I don't even know what that totally looks like. Uh, it's been something I've been chewing on for a while. But I think it's safe to say there's not much that would excite me more that if at the end of 2023, that if I grew in my own life in prayer and that this church grew in prayer, I don't think there'd be much more that would excite me. Um, and some of you have shared this burden with me as well randomly, and so I feel like it's bigger than just me, what the Lord is doing in our hearts. And so today, I, I want to take a little time as we head into this new year, and I want to talk about prayer in our lives. James 5, James tells us that the prayer of someone who is righteous is powerful and effective. Powerful and effective. In other words, prayer brings change powerful change. And you see this all throughout the Bible. Abraham guided by prayer. It says in Exodus that Moses spoke to God as a friend speaks to another friend. You saw David who talked to God morning, noon, and night. Nehemiah's prayers, what we covered in the book of Nehemiah a few years ago, resulted in the rebuilding of Jerusalem's walls. Daniel prayed to God three times a day. As the men just studied in 1 Kings on Wednesday nights, Elijah prayed for great things and God brought great things to those prayers. We see Esther praying and bringing great change in her kingdom. Christ, the ultimate model of prayer. And then when we studied Acts verses one through seven, I think it's safe to say that the launch of the New Testament church can only be understood through the power of prayer. In fact, Emmy Andros once said that there is no other activity in life so important as that of prayer. That every other life activity, activity depends on prayer for its best efficiency. I don't think anybody who's been in church for a while would disagree with what I've said. But as I've posed to you before, if this is true, what we read about prayer, that's powerful that it's effective, that it brings change, then why is it one of the most ignored aspects of the Christian life? This may have changed since the first time I used this stat, but I mean, why, why does the average Christian spend nearly five hours a week on their Facebook account or social media now, but they'll spend less than 30 minutes of prayer in prayer week? I mean, why are the least attended prayer events in the church always prayer? Always, every church I've been in. 
In fact, I have pastors I've worked with before that they'll call prayer nights, but they'll use a different name because they're afraid if they use the word prayer, nobody will show. Why is it like when somebody shares something with us, we'll be like, I'll pray for you. And then we'll probably forget to pray for them. I mean, if there's no other activity, if Andros is right, more important than prayer, why is it so easy for it to ignore in our lives? And I know all of you feel me on this because I've never once met someone in my life who just dominates prayer. They're like, I got this. I am prayer awesome. I pray morning, noon, night, and in between. Maybe you are that person. If you are, I'd like to meet you, but I've never met one. And I think, and I've talked about this before in in a different message, and I want to explore it more here, is I think one of the reasons that we struggle at prayer so much, just one of them, is because we don't understand the purpose of prayer. For example, I think one of the purposes that we think prayer has is, is it's to get things from God. Now, we would never phrase it like this, But if you were to read the transcripts of our prayers, it would read like a child who's asking their parents for things over and over again. We'll sit down on our knees. Usually it's in times of desperation. And we'll pray for something as if we know exactly what God wants to give us. God, if you could only do this, Lord, if you could only do that, I've prayed these prayers myself. If you could just deliver Lord, if you can make this person just see that they're wrong, if you could just give me that winning lottery ticket, Lord, if you could do this, if you could do that. And you see this, like I grew up in a Pentecostal church, right? And sometimes they either go too far. You're just like, if you say the right words and you say them in the right order with the right amount of fervor, right? God's gonna say yes. But even if we're not in a Pentecostal circle, we pray in such a way that like, man, such power and authority that this is what I need from God. Here's what he needs to do. God, do it. Because everything will be right then. As if God is sitting up there. Peter, Peter, Dominic's praying again. Get over here. He has these nuggets of wisdom. I did not realize that this was what needed to happen. Did you know that, Peter? No, no. This guy is so wise, we got to get on it. That's some great insight. And this happens especially when a topic of prayer is emotional to us. When we're feeling desperate, God, I just need you to come through. I just need you to do this. God, if you would only dot, dot, dot. And I really think that we believe this more than we think we do. Because even as I was I was writing this. I'm like, I don't think this about prayer. And I would suggest that maybe some of you don't feel that way either. But I think we really do think this without realizing. Because if every time we prayed, God answered our prayers the way we wanted to, we would pray all the time. All the time. It's like, it's like Ella, my toddler. When she wants something, and she gets it, she'll ask for more. And she knows who to go to ask for what she wants, who will give it to her, right? She knows dad, what dad will give in easily on, what mom will give easily on. And so she'll ask, and then she asks for more and more and more and more. 
And I think if God did that, if he answered all our prayers and everyone we want, we'd go to him all the time. And I think what happens is in prayer, we get discouraged because we pray for things. He doesn't deliver the way we should. And that what leads us to stop praying. So I really think without realizing, sometimes we subconsciously feel like this is the purpose of prayer. Otherwise, if it doesn't come through, then it's not powerful, effective. It's not worth our time. You know, sometimes when you read the Bible, you can get the feeling like that our prayers can impress things upon God. That it can like change his mind. We can convince God of things. You know, the book of Jonah. Remember Jonah? We studied this a couple years ago. God was going to crush Nineveh. And he said, hey, Jonah, I want you to go and preach to them. And then what happens? Jonah goes, he preaches to Nineveh, and then they what? They repent, right? And what does it say in Jonah 3.10? It says, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster he said he would do to them, and he didn't do it. Relent's a tough word because it implies change, right? But it's not changing your mind if you already knew what was going to happen. Scripture tells us that God is omniscient, which means he knows everything. God knew that Jonah was going to go to preach to Nineveh, even though God had a whale of a time getting him there. Whale of a time. Come on, let's sink in. I know it's early. And I, for, the, for you theologians, I know it doesn't say whale, but even though God had a time, a big fish of a time getting there, it doesn't sound as good, so... Yes, I will risk blasphemy in this moment for a joke. He knew Nineveh would repent. God knew this. In other words, God's not making things up as he goes along. As, as, uh, as someone once said, and I thought was one of the deepest statements of the Bible, as deep as statements I've heard from anybody, he says, nothing has ever occurred to God. Nothing has ever occurred to God. Now, some people, it's not a matter of fact of like, you know, my prayers don't make a difference. God doesn't come through for me. He doesn't listen to me. He doesn't do what I say, so I stop praying. Another reason is I had a guy back when I was at Valley Life Center in Dallas, Oregon, outside of Salem, and he sat down with me once, and I shared this with some of you before, and he said to me, Pastor, I want to tell you something. I don't pray. Okay. You know, I'm a pastor, right? <laughs> I don't pray. He came to sat down in my office to tell me this. Only person has ever told me this. And, and, and he says, this is the reason I don't pray. God already knows everything. He knows what's in my heart. He knows what's in my mind. He knows everything. So there's no point to praying. And, I, like, and for a moment, no one had ever said this to me before, and as no one's ever said it to me after. But in the moment, I was like, I had to think. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I mean, not about not praying, because God says to pray, and whether you, and that's a blanket statement, so whether you understand the point of prayer or not, you should pray. But he has a point, man. If God knows everything, if he has plans in place, then what's the point of praying? And I think David is the one who best answers this question. The book of Psalms, Psalm 25, he says this, talking to God, 
Make me know your ways, O Lord. How often do you pray that? Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are God of my salvation. For you, I wait all day long. I got to tell you, my prayers sound very different than this. Lord, can you do this? Lord, can you do that? Can you strike this person down? Bring him to me. No, I'm just kidding. I don't pray that. Not often anyway, right? Can you, can you, need you, want you? And here he says, like, I just need to know your ways, God. You got to lead me in your truth. I'm going to wait for you. I'm desperate for you. And this entire psalm is David admitting that he falls short of God, that he needs God's forgiveness. In Psalm 25, that he needs God's direction, that he needs God's relationship. And, and this right here, I think, of all the verses, for me, gives us the greatest glimpse of the purpose of prayer. And that, and that purpose is to change us. Prayer is meant to change you. Just like conversations with those that we love can change us, prayer with God is meant to change us. C.S. Lewis said this once. He says, prayer does not change God. Prayer changes me. Prayer is not a bunch of words between dear God and amen. It's, it's not like pulling up to a drive through and asking God for what you need. It's opening up our lives to God. It's saying, God, here I am. You're more important than anything else. I don't know what's going on. I need you. It's, it's, prayer is an act of humility. It's an act of humility. In fact, I would say that when we don't pray, it's an act of pride. Because we're saying, when we choose not to pray, I don't need God. Maybe we don't say it with our tongues, but we will say it with our lives. I've told you this before, every morning I have a choice. When I walk through this door to walk in here and to stop and to pray, I had that choice this morning before I got into message prep and all of this or to go in my work office and just start working on church stuff. And for me, what I'm saying is when I don't stop to pray, I'm saying, I got it, I'm good. I'd never say it out loud, but it's the way that I'm living. I got to get to work. This is what I need. I know what needs to be done. I know how it needs to get done. That's what I'm saying with my life. But when I stop to prayer, I say, God, I don't know what I need to get done. I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. I, I'm not wise. I, I need you. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's right. I can't see everything. I don't understand everything. I, I see things with a different lens that skews things. You know, in our lives, we, we don't see the big picture of things. Like in my life, you know, I'll have event one that goes bad, and I'll have event two that goes bad, and I'll have event three in my life go bad, and event four in my life go bad, and I'll just feel like a failure. Like, man, fail, fail, bad, bad, fail. But what I don't see and I see back looking now, is God lining me up, sending me right down the direction where I need to go. As we read in Proverbs 16, that the Lord works out everything for his own ends. Wasn't fun, was painful, was hurtful at times, but now that I am where I am, I wouldn't trade any of it because God was faithful in my life. But when I stop to pray, 
I realize that God is at work, that there's something bigger going on. There's a humility that the things that I see that I've made judgments about, whether for good or bad, I could be right, but I could be wrong. And it changes my heart and my mind and the way that I'm seeing things. And then the more I've grown in my walk with God and I've done this, and God, help me know what you want. It's, it's funny, the, the, the older I've become, and I'm not super old, but the older I've become, the, the closer I've grown to God, the more I've realized I don't know what's going on. I don't even know what I don't know about what's going on. I remember when I first became a Christian, I was like, man, I knew what God wanted to do. I knew what he wanted to do. I would pray for it with fervor and rah, rah, rah. And now I'm like, Lord, I have no idea what you're doing. And I think that's a sign of Christian maturity when we're bringing ourselves before the Lord and saying, God, I don't, outside of what the Bible clearly says, I don't know how you're working things. I need you to lead me. I need you to guide me. And I'm gonna wait for you. I'm gonna depend. I'm going to put my dependence on you. Like we read in Psalm 130, I think it was written by Hezekiah, where he says, I'm going to wait for the Lord. My soul waits. In his word, I hope my soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman in the morning. More than the watchman in the morning. The psalmist says, I don't, I don't know what's happening. I need God to show me, and so I'm going to wait on him. And then prayer opens ourselves up to God showing us things that we cannot see on our own. I was thinking of 1 Corinthians 12, very well-known chapter where the apostle Paul, he gets this thorn in his side, this pain in him, and he, and he just, he wants it gone. He's like, Lord, heal me, right? He's in the Pentecostal services. He's anointing himself with oil. He bought the anointed, you know, a hanky with a pastor's sweat on it for $35.95 off the Christian channel. I mean, he's going all out to get rid of this, this pain and this suffering. And then as he's talking to God, that was not all in the Bible anyway, just to be clear, I want to make sure. Um, as he's praying to God, God says, look, I'm not healing of you of this. I have purpose in your pain. My strength will be made perfect in your weakness. This is going to cause you to depend on me more. And then he said, man, his attitude after changed after that. He said, in that case, man, may, may I be weak as beyond weak upon weak so that God's strength may shine through me. But, but notice where that came from. It came through prayer. It came through talking to God. I wonder if Paul had never talked to God, if he never had prayed about it, if he ever sought the Lord, how his attitude would have been different. And, in, and it made me wonder in my life, it made me wonder in your life, what could you be missing because in humility, you haven't paused to open it up to God. To say, Lord, what are you doing? What's happening here? I don't understand. You know, I didn't, on a smaller scale, I didn't intend to preach this Sunday. My, uh, um, my son, who goes to public school, and like my daughters who, who are homeschooled, you know, he's out of school this week, so are the girls. And so they're all home. And so I wanted to be home this week, uh, you know, uh, as I work a lot, and I just wanted to be there. And, and we had a basement to clean, because if you have multiple children, you know how stuff just multiplies, and you want to burn it all, and you're frustrated. And so I wanted to take the whole week and just clean it all out. So I didn't want to preach this week. I mean, I love preaching, but I really wanted to focus on that this week. And, and I had people lined up to preach for me, and, and then something happened. 
happened where, where that wasn't going to be possible. And I was like, oh, like I'm glad I get to preach God, but I'm like, this I really needed this week to focus on this. And so I was praying to God about it. And then, you know, and it just, I felt the Holy Spirit impress upon me because it changed a bunch of other things in our preaching schedule, me preaching this week. And, and it's God saying, you know, how do you know that this is not what I intended all along? That this is setting in motion something bigger than what your plans were. And like my attitude and my heart and everything changed when I had that perspective of like, man, I don't know what God's doing here. It might be up to something. You know, and then the person who couldn't preach, they felt bad about it because, you know, they're a great person. And I said, you know what? God might be doing something here. And I thought, man, how would my heart would have been different if I hadn't stopped and said, God, what's going on? You know, this is how I'm feeling, but I don't know what's right. Prayer changed me, even in those small situations. Prayer changes us. That's, that's the true purpose of prayer. As we come to get to know our Father in heaven and spend time with him, as we get to see him and trust in him, it changes us. That can only happen through relationship. I mean, imagine if I got married to my wife, you know, and I talked to her for less than 30 minutes a week. My marriage would be very different than it is right now. But as we spend more time together than that, it's changed me over the time. And, 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 and my wife has changed me uh, in, in ways beyond that I can mention in, in the time that I have. But how much more does God change us as we spend time with him? And so it changes how I pray now. Prayer is still hard for me. It's hard for all of us because we're in such a it, get it right now attitude. But I've learned to appreciate prayer that when I come here, it's not to get things done that I want done. It, it's to open up myself to God and say, God, I need to be changed by you. And, and I am confident because I've seen it in my own life that for any of us who adopt this understanding of prayer, it will change and increase our prayer life. Now, I want to be clear, just because I believe that that main purpose is getting to know God and being changed through that relationship, it doesn't mean that God doesn't change prayer through change our circumstances through prayer. You see this in the Bible. God answering people's prayer, doing mighty things. Mighty things. Someone once said, I don't remember their name, they said, prayer is the conduit through which prayer from heaven is brought to earth. Now, don't get me wrong, God can change whatever he wants outside of prayer. But there are times where he chooses not to intervene without prayer. Someone gave this, this illustration. They said, God is like a locomotive. He's like a train. He has all the necessary power to travel from one location to another. But many times, he only travels where the tracks have been laid. One example, James 1.5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom... You should ask God who gives generously to all. What's he implying? If you ask God for wisdom, he is going to give it to you. If you do not ask for God for wisdom, he might be gracious and send it to you all anyway, but he may not. Now notice I did say sometimes, because there are certain times, certain things that God's going to do regardless of prayer, right? Right? We've been studying Revelation. We're going back to it. God is going to come back one day, no matter what. Jesus will come back as the risen king, 
no matter how much you pray or not. Okay, as he's gathering up the armies of heaven, he's not gonna be like, uh, Tim has not prayed enough for this, so we have to wait. No, no, he said, I am coming back at an appointed time. When that time hits, he's coming. So it begs the question, where is that line between like God's independent action, I'm gonna do this, his sovereign will, and his choice to involve us in releasing his power through prayer? The answer is, I have no idea. None. And neither do you, neither does anyone else on this earth. Because God designed it that way. God says, you are on a need-to-know basis when it comes to my will, and you do not need to know. Because if we knew, <coughs> then our goal would always be our prayer. But because we don't know, it causes us to rely on him. And imagine what life would be like if, if, if God automatically did his will without the prayers of his people, right? That he just did everything that we needed to. I wonder how we would recognize our work, his work. Like, I think God moves in our lives sometimes, and because we didn't pray, we don't give it to God. I think we notice God's work more when there was a request that we made. It's like sometimes my wife, I don't know how she does it because she's homeschooling, you know, two kids and has a toddler, but she'll clean an additional room in the house. And, and, and if you have multiple children, you know what a miracle this is. And she'll come home and she'll be like, you know, hey, did you notice I did anything? And I'll be like, sure. Did great. So I'm like, is it hair? Is it a new shirt? Right? And she'd be like, I cleaned the dining room. Oh, yes, it was amazing. You did great. But like, if I say to her, honey, oh man, the dining room is trash. I didn't have time to do it last night. Can you do it today? When I get home, I'm going to notice it. We pay more attention when we make requests. And it's the same with God. When we're praying for something, God, you pray for this, you pray for this, you pray for this. I pay more attention when God moves. And so my whole desire for all of us is to pray more. And you know, and I should say this, let me take a step back. Um, one of the things I recommend when you pray and you're asking God for things is to journal it. I only know in my life how many times I've asked for God for things and then I forgot I asked him for things and then he moved and he doesn't get the credit because I straight up forgot. I'm sure it's happened. And so now I write down my prayer requests. I have a, I have a, uh, an app on my phone and it's called the Echo app. You can find it. It's easy out there. It's free. And so every time I do a prayer request, there's a notes section and I'll write what I prayed for. And then when God answers that prayer or I get an update, I'll put it there so I can go back and I can look and be reminded of God's faithfulness because, man, it's easy for us to forget. And so I encourage you that when you're praying, write down your prayer request. It can be in an Echo app. It can be in a Notes app. It can be your, if you're old school paper and pen or like parchment, you know, and quill, whatever, write it down. How long does it really take? Write it down. Look back on it and the things that you have prayed for. And when you go to do these times of prayer, what I'm hoping you will start doing in your life, if you haven't already, is to block out time of prayer with God. Like take a solid time where you're doing nothing else but talking to the Lord. 
Because what you're doing is when you set aside time for the Lord, you're saying, God, you're more important than anything else. That's what you're doing. I'm dependent on you than anything else, that I'm not doing anything else but focusing on you. Too many times we add God onto what we're already doing, like we're ordering a side of fries with our burger. Like we'll pray in our car while we're driving, times that are convenient for us. Now, those are good things, and we should pray without ceasing. We should be praying in all circumstances. (coughs) But there should be times where God is the main focus. Matthew 6 When he's talking about how to pray and the right attitude to prayer, he says, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Pray to your father in secret. We see Jesus going off times when he's early in the morning to go off to pray. Why would it be any different for us? And and, and, and we are, and I know some of us are busier than others, but I guarantee you right now, we have time to set aside for prayer. And if you don't think you do, I want you to bring me your cell phone and I'm gonna show you how much time you've spent on different apps on your phone in the past week. And you will instantly realize that you have way more time for prayer than you think. Now, praying is hard, like I said. If praying was easy, I would not have to pray a prayer. like I wouldn't have to preach a message like this because we would all do it, but it's hard, isn't it? And so here's some things that I've done to help myself. If you're like me, when I go to sit down and, and with a blocked time for prayer, like I come here in the morning, I'll like look at my clock every minute, just every minute. So I don't know what ADHD, I don't know what it is, I just can't. So what I did is I set a timer for myself. I started with a timer. I set it for 10 minutes. And I pray for 10 minutes. It would keep me from looking at my clock and then when the timer went off, and unless I was really pressed by the Holy Spirit, I would be done. And then I've, I've slowly increased that time to be much, much longer. Set a timer if it helps. Also, have you ever been praying And then suddenly you remember everything that you've ever forgot in your life that you need to do. Have you ever noticed it? This never happens any other time. But if you're praying, I forgot, oh, I need to add this to the grocery list, this to the grocery, this to the grocery list. Oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. Anyone who doesn't believe in the enemy hasn't ever really sat down and tried to have prayer. The irony of it all. So what I do is I write those things down. If I remember something I need to buy when I'm praying, I will write it down. And it gives my brain permission to forget about it because it's written down. I also encourage you I've had people who come to me and they're like, whatever I pray, I can't focus on anything. Everything else keeps coming to mind. Other people and things like this. And so I'm like, I'm horrible at praying. And I've told you this many times, and I'm going to keep repeating until the day I die. Someone who I used to work with, uh, Tim, you remember her, Toby, she said something to me once. She goes, have you ever occurred that those thoughts or those people coming to your mind are things that God wants you to pray about? I was like, you ever seen those like, the TV shows where their mind is blown? I was blown in that moment. I was like, no. No, I haven't. Not once, ever in my entire life. Change the way I've prayed forever. So anytime I'm praying now, if I'm praying something and God brings something else to my mind, boom, I start praying for it. I don't feel bad I'm getting distracted. I think, but maybe God wants me to pray for this. So I start praying for it. Anything and everything that comes to my mind. And it has created in me such of the most, some of the most powerful times in prayer. Praying for whatever just comes into my mind. It's been one of the coolest revelations of my life. So you're sitting here for 10 minutes. You may have this outline of things you want to pray for, but God may want you to pray for something else or somebody else. 
So pray for what comes to your mind. And you're like, I don't know what to even put down as a list to pray for. Pray for new things in your life. We all have new things in our life. We have a new year in our life. Pray for protection, God's guidance. If you have needs in your life, Lord, ask ask God to help you with your needs. Where are you blessed in your life? Every one of us is blessed some way, somehow. Have you thank God for those blessings in your times of prayer? This morning I was sitting there praying. I was like, God, thank you that I get to be a dad. I don't always think about that, but it came to my mind this morning. I stopped and said, thank you for getting to be a dad. What things have you not thanked God for? You're carrying a burden that feels heavy. Lord, help me to carry it. You're facing a crisis. Lord, give me wisdom. When you're worried, Lord, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Give them to God. You got sin you're struggling with, and we all got sin, right? Ask for, for repentance. I mean, for forgiveness. Repent of those sins. How about the lost people in your life? People who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Pray for them. Pray for the expansion of God's kingdom. Man, there's so many things to pray for. Pay for against temptation in your life to give into fear and anxiety or, or to addiction, whatever temptations that you have. John Piper says one of the reasons that we don't pray is because we think it's peacetime. We think everything's easy and at odds. We don't understand the spiritual war that is going on behind the scenes, like our men's group and our women's group studied this last year, that there is a spiritual battle for our souls. Most of all, pray for script, pray scripture. Do you know you can pray the Bible? You ever don't know what to pray? You open up the Bible. You take, hopefully you got into a Bible of the year or a New Testament of the year and you got some other friends that are gonna do it with you and if you're not, today's the first day so you can get on it right day to day. And when you pray, when you read it for that day, pick something that stood out to you. Pray that to the Lord. And I think speaking of that, if you're really serious about praying, because what we, we tend to do as Christians, we're like, yes, I want to pray more. I want to pray Jesus. I want to pray. Here's the thing, in my opinion, that marks those who are really serious and those who are not, who are just playing the church game. Those who are really serious will intentionally find a time to block out for God, and they will tell multiple people, multiple people in their lives that will hold them accountable. People who they know are mature believers who will say, hey, how's the prayer life going? And we'll encourage them and challenge them. Those are the people that are serious about prayer. Because I used to do that. I used to be like, yes, I want to be a prayer this year. I want to pray. I want to pray. I wouldn't tell nobody. And so it was easy to slip away. It was only until I said, hey, I'm going to start praying every morning. I want to make sure that I come in the church early. I want to pray there or wherever I am. And I told other people that they'd start calling me and saying, how's that prayer life going? Be like, it's great. Or it'd be like, it's, you know, struggling, and they would encourage and challenge me. And so I pray that if you're serious about prayer, you'd find one or two people, no, two or three people that would encourage you. And I pray they'd even come to your mind right now that you may grow in prayer. Church, it is through prayer that we get to know our maker. 
It is through prayer that he changes our hearts and our minds and our perspectives and our attitudes. And he changes our circumstances. And I just can say all that I pray this year is that I will become more of a man of prayer. And that you will too. And I pray that you'll share it with us as you start to pray. You'll let me know because I'm encouraged when God works in your lives, you'll let other people know that they may be encouraged by how God grows prayer in you and that'll plant seeds to grow in them. That we may be the people in Romans 12 where we rejoice in hope, where we're patient in tribulation and hear, hear this, we are constant in prayer. Wouldn't you love to have that said of you? That you are constant in prayer.